Hey, hey, it's Coach Dr. Kim. I started this journey after having a stroke at the age of 36 years old. Since that time, I have moved forward with helping people live their best life, and I haven't turned back. This show is about learning to be present, open, and intentional in every area of your life. Keep listening to hear what I've been thinking, and be sure to rate, subscribe, and review. Hey, hey, it's Coach Dr. Kim. This week on the show, as we wind down for Women's History Month, it's time for us to connect with a woman that is leading the way in her community through nonprofit work. Today, we have with us Patrice Brown. I connected with Patrice through our membership in an organization called Chief. Chief is designed for women in the C-suite, senior executives and accomplished VPs to strengthen their leadership, magnify their influence, and pave the way to bring others with them. Patrice has a career that spans a few decades, a couple decades of executive management leading programs and advocacy within the nonprofit sector. She has worked with the American Red Cross, the Colorectal Cancer Alliance. She holds a Bachelor's of Arts in English from the University of Maryland and an MBA in Health Sciences an organizational strategy from the Simon School at the University of Rochester. I present to you, Patrice Brown. Welcome to the show. Hi, Kim. I'm so happy to be here. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much for being here to help us close out Women's History Month. Um, tell us, I know, I know I just read your bio, but just tell us a little bit about yourself and your career path. So my career path is long and winding. Um, partially because in undergrad, I thought I wanted to be a nurse. I started out wanting to be a nurse. And Ooh. then I, <laughs> I took chemistry and said, no, thank you. <laughs> I relate to that. Chemistry almost had me be a college dropout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> chemistry was no, it's not, it's not the same as high school chemistry. It was a whole different ball game. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I realized is I wanted to do something that I loved, at least for undergrad. So that's why I went to English. And in thinking about a career thereafter, I really wasn't sure how I wanted to apply it. Everyone was saying, go to law school. If you have an, a, a degree in English, then law school is like a, a natural progression. And I realized I didn't want to do that either. So I started out a nonprofit. And interestingly, because I was in the DC area, there's so many nonprofits. It's like association world here in DC. And so I was able to really start to get my feet and learn about the industry. Um, mm-hmm. And then thinking about what would come next, I knew that I needed to go to grad school if I really wanted to establish myself and have leadership opportunities. And that's why I went to grad school and really wanted to focus on healthcare and ultimately ended up working on different sides of healthcare, healthcare finance, healthcare patient advocacy. Um, And I think, you know, this is where I found my roots in terms of my career. That's very interesting. So you initially wanted to be clinical and take care of patients and Nevertheless, you still ended up in healthcare just from a different vantage point. Um, so nonprofit world, but in the healthcare sector. Um, 
so as you entered in, what inspired you to climb into leadership roles within the nonprofit sector? So I'm going to go back to go forward. So interesting is growing up, I came from kind of the time when kids weren't as heard as they are today. And so I tended to be more reserved and I didn't always put myself forward because I came from that sort of, you're here to be proper. You're here to not really make noise. You're here not to don't speak unless you're spoken to. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I came from that too. (laughs) That was exactly it. (laughs) And so when I went into work, I tended to do that too. And then I started to look around and I'm like, wait a minute, why am I not putting myself forward the way some of my colleagues are? Why didn't I have the same confidence to really speak my opinion in the same way? And so that's when I decided I can do it. I have the knowledge to do it. I just needed the confidence and the support to do it. And so I made a decision within myself that I wanted to put myself forward and I didn't have kids yet. I didn't, I was kind of on my own still. So I thought I have nothing to lose. So why not go for it? Um, Instead of waiting until I had a lot to be responsible for and had more at stake. So I started out kind of earlier, really thinking I I need to make a move or or else I'll always be sort of hanging in the background, which isn't what I wanted. So what other factors do you think played into that? Um, Was it just the difference in um, generational differences or was there other cultural things at play that had you be more quiet and reserved in the workplace? I think part of it was looking around and seeing who was was lauded, who was recognized, who was being lifted up. Um, Before, I think like right after undergrad, I was working in the petroleum industry. I was working for a petroleum association. And Mm. so it was male dominated. Um, I was in charge of our international surveying, um, like scheduling for approvals and things like that. And then I moved into statistics. But what was interesting about that is when I first started, I was one of the only women working within that department. And so I didn't have a lot of role models in my department to really say, oh, I can do that. And also because this was in the early 90s, it was male dominated. (laughs) There wasn't a lot of room, right? Right, right. Interestingly, when I moved into statistics, there were more women. And my boss was a woman for the first time. And she was encouraging, like, you should take on this extra project. I think you can really do it. Why don't you think about that? Um, And so I think that was the beginning of really starting to 
have that female leadership where I could see myself and think, Mm -hmm. okay, if she can do it, I can do it. Let's think about ways that I can navigate forward. Wow, that's amazing. Um, Because what that really speaks to in a lot of ways is the power of mentorship and representation and being able to see people that are similar to you or can like that support that you spoke of. Um, And when you were lacking confidence, having the support of someone that could encourage you that you are capable Mm-hmm. and able um, when you're surrounded by so many others that not necessarily made you feel like you weren't, but just you were the only. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. So what yeah. other mentors were you able to identify along your leadership journey that um, did you have other people that provided that same level of support? It's interesting. So my next real big mentorship came in grad school. So I was doing my internship over the summer at Bausch and Loam. And the the person that I was interning for, I got introduced through another student. Her, Her name is Cindy. And Cindy was just incredible. She was someone that said, you are someone that has value. You're someone that has something to contribute. I'm just going to give you projects. And my, my project under Cindy was, I mean, I was an intern, so I wasn't going to have a wide range, but my project under Cindy was to submit the organization for an award Hmm. for a training and development award. And I did that. And we came, we were one of the finalists for the award. And it was something that they hadn't always done. And so that provided a little bit of recognition within the organization. And Cindy kind of took me under her wing. And then I was able to transition that internship into another internship where I had another mentor who this time was a male. Um, He was a young rising star. He was one of the um, youngest VPs within the org. He was also a person of color. And I think because of that, he took an interest in making sure that there was exposure. Um, I'll never forget he, because um, he had an international team, there were international meetings. And so he made sure that I got to go to Italy with the team because he wanted me to have that exposure to the other international team members um, when others would have just said you're an intern you're, you're not leaving the office and so it's wow, kind of that's having, amazing yeah yeah it's having those people that pull you along and can mm-hmm. see the broader picture um, that I just I feel really fortunate to be able to have those kind of um, encounters. I mean, that is just amazing. And it really takes people that are able to see talent potential and invest in that sponsorship. I mean, that takes it from mentorship to sponsorship. And that is one of the things that I personally 
And I, from what you're saying, I, um, I don't want to put the words in your mouth, but you personally um, believe in because it's how you grow people and get people to places and spaces that they otherwise would not be in um, mm -hmm. if we don't have all hands on deck. Um, that's yeah. amazing. Um, yeah, I'm just floored by that because it has to be intentional. It doesn't happen on accident, right? <laughs> that is so true. And what I found too is it's it's the sponsor or the mentor seeing the value in the person, but through my own journey trying to mentor and sponsor folks, they have to engage. It's a two-way street. And I think sometimes mm -hmm. that's lost on the fact that yes, you can have a, a mentor, but you have to really cultivate that relationship and make sure that it's enduring. Um, mm -hmm. After graduate school, my first job was in healthcare finance. And the woman that hired me into that job 20 some years ago, we still have lunch every December. She's well long retired. And she gathers a group of people that she's mentored or that she still keeps in contact with. And we have lunch every December. And it's that kind of enduring, lasting relationship. It's a give and take. She pours into me and I pour into her. And I think we need to build more of that and see how- I love that. Like that gives me chills. Like that is so amazing. I'm I'm trying to figure out, make sure that I do something like that is a legacy. Like that's that's legacy building. Yeah. I have to make I'm gonna make a little note of write that down. Um, that's awesome. I'm, I'm thinking about even your career because I'm sure that you've had these experiences too, where you have mm -hmm. mentors and people that have just poured into you. Yes, yes. And even as you said that, I think of some people recently in my life that have come to me for mentorship. And I'm thinking, I wouldn't mind having lunch with them once a year. <laughs> <laughs> I need to start keeping a list. All right, listeners, I'm challenging you to keep a list of people that you want to stay connected to that you're mentoring. Because um, I know a lot of people that listen to this are leaders. So let's all step up and um, continue to keep those enduring relationships. That is a, that's a pearl of wisdom. I like that. Yeah. That's amazing. And that's why I like connecting with people because you learn new things. Um, wow. So all those nuggets and pearls that you've gathered along the way, um, how, how do you pay those forward and bring other people along? So I'm still working on this. <clears throat> but okay. what I try to do is when I'm, especially in my current job, or if I engage with folks outside of work, I try to find someone that kind of reminds me of myself when I wasn't mm -hmm. as confident and think about how I can build confidence within that person. So that's the one thing that I always try to look for and see how I can help someone either through a project or just through going to lunch when, when we could go to lunch before COVID and everybody wasn't right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but really try to think about how can I connect with this person and show them that there are other opportunities. And I tend to do that first with folks on my team 
Um, I try to hire, well, when I hire folks that are earlier in their careers, that's one of the things that I try to do. But I also try to think about folks that aren't on my team, because I think there's a nice connection sometimes when there's a little bit of removal of that um, kind of direct management relationship. And so trying to find folks in the office or, or in the company that need that other, that other ear, what I've been finding more and more is folks just want to have someone to talk to that they, they want to know how to approach their boss about something or a project or what have you. And so I try to be that, that external ear. Um, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That real time feedback is so helpful for people um, because you know, it's needed. I mean, (laughs) especially in our younger, and I I don't like to pick on the millennials. I I am not picking on you, please hear me. Um, But because it's not just them, we are in a society where people are, they don't like to wait. (laughs) And so being able to be ready at the ready and be able to give people that real time feedback that they can put into action now um, is helpful and it's needed. And so I think that is, an excellent way that people can pay it forward and um, help people as they continue to grow in in their careers. And so as you do all of these things and continue to move along your journey, one of the things that this show is all about um, is cultivating a life where you can be authentic everywhere, you know, and not like... (laughs) <laughs> like it's we're, we're recording this kind of late everyone so I'm trying to stay polished just to be completely honest and authentic um authentic is not like take 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 me as I am take it or leave it I can be whoever I want the more evolved authentic so um how do you do that how do you stay integrated in personal professional and be you considering all the societal labeling and pressures and norms and things like that? This has been an ongoing challenge. It is not easy. (laughs) (laughs) It is not easy. Be right back after this quick break. One of the things that I've learned is I just have to, I only am successful when I'm myself. I can try to be someone else or I can put on a a mask for a certain amount of time, but then I become miserable. So Mm -hmm. for my own kind of mental health, I just need to be me. And I, you know, I'm in my my mid forties, so it took me a while to get there. Right. But the, what I realize now is that I can be professional being me. I can be reserved and that's who I am. And it doesn't mean that I'm standoffish. It doesn't mean that I'm mm. not engaged. Because I get mm. all, I get that. I, I used to get that. Mm-hmm. And now I've learned to address it in a way that says, this is who I am. This is how I show up in the office or how I show up professionally. But yet I'm still thriving. I'm still doing my work. I'm still serving as a mentor. I'm still doing all of the things and I don't have to ascribe to or be um, what everyone is expecting of me. But it took 
a long time to get there. And I only got there because I was performing mm-hmm. and people could see. She might not talk all the time. I'm really reserved in meetings and so on. She might not talk all the time, but when she does talk, she's going to say something that's impactful or that's well constructed mm-hmm. or well thought out versus, because we've all been there. We've been in these meetings and there's the person that talks just for the sake of talking. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yes. <laughs> I bet everyone has just thought of someone. Yes, that happens. Right. <laughs> yes. I'm the opposite of that. And it took a while for people to appreciate that and for me to feel comfortable knowing that that's who I am. Yeah. Folks yeah. have to accept that. Um, now, some people get there so much faster. Like some people, they're all about like, this is me and this is who I am. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, But for me, it really took me understanding that I can, I can have value and prove my value without having to pretend to be someone else. Yeah. I mean, you really said a lot there that people, I hope everyone's reflecting on, um, and you, right. Everyone gets there at a different pace. Yeah. It really is worth self-reflection and inner work to arrive there it will save you a a tremendous amount of suffering Mm. um because I've been there as well trying to follow the steps of being the person or the leader that everyone else wants you to be I mean there's some best practices for process and change management and I mean there's there's best leadership practices but no one can tell you how to be you that that's an inside job (laughs) (laughs) for sure (laughs) and and here's the other thing being you you have to be comfortable with um with folks not appreciating the parts of you that you love So I'll give you an example. I love fresh cut flowers. It is my jam. I love flowers. Mm. And I was working at an organization. It was was a brand new year. And I decided we had a small office. I wanted to bring everyone fresh, fresh flowers for the start of the new year. And I did it. And I did cards. I did this whole thing. It was like, and two or three people were like, oh, that was fabulous. And everybody else was silent. I was like, really? But then I thought, you know what? (laughs) I was being authentically me. (laughs) It made me happy to bring them the flowers. They might not appreciate it, but I'm just going to move on. (laughs) Right, right. I could have internalized it and been sour about it, but I was like, okay. And then we moved on. And so my, my point in telling that story is if you do it for you, then that's where you, at least that's where I draw from. I'm doing it. Right. That's who I am. And it makes me happy. And I'm not looking for validation externally. But on the contrary, that could sabotage someone's whole day, week, month, or the rest of their journey at that organization, because they'll always say in the back of their mind, I remember when I brought the flowers and nobody, you know, because It's all about, yeah, if your perspective is that you needed everyone to appreciate 
everything you did or that thing, as you were saying, then you could really miss out on some joy and that suffering will just kind of follow you. Um, I know there's always, people find it hard to believe that suffering is a choice, it, but it really is. Like the, the event happened and how we react to it is really the suffering part. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it, there is a choice in it, it and I, I still have to remind myself, but um, yeah, it's, it's, life is it's, it's something. <laughs> it's a process. <laughs> it's definitely a process. <laughs> but you, you, you bring up such a great point that it's, it's how you respond to whatever is going on that really makes the difference. Yeah. And just thinking about being a woman and yeah. being, being the only woman sometimes, sometimes being the only woman of color sometimes. Things can happen around you. And we've all been there, right? Something happens and you know it's because of X. And you can either internalize it and get worked up about it or acknowledge it, make a note, and keep moving forward. Because otherwise you get stuck. Right. And I'm sure we could swap stories on how often we could have been stuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if we let that barrier stand, you know. Yeah. Um, but sometimes you got to climb over it, go around it, break it down, <laughs> slide underneath it. But you got to keep moving. Yeah. That's right. Um, so let's see here. We're coming up on our time. Um, but I think this has been a very rich discussion. It's amazing. Every time I do an interview, how much I learn and about the person you as um, in, in this case, but about myself as well. Like just ha- that human connection, and how much it can draw out about um, the human experience, the commonalities, um, and shared wisdom, new information. Um, I just enjoy this is usually a solo show but I love it when I'm able to have a guest and we can have this dialogue Um, but the one thing we must do and I like to always end on is um, a three-part question of how do you stay present open and intentional in your daily life in any answer that any way you want present open and intentional So I start my day with a devotion every morning. That grounds me. Um, I grew up in church and like some people that that grew up in church, you kind of wander away from church and then you come back to church. And so been there. (laughs) (laughs) I'm back. I'm back. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you go on a life journey. But what I found is starting the day with devotion just it sets me in the right frame of mind. I feel calm. I, I feel like I can conquer things. And then as the day goes on, I find that I'm better able to deal with things and to kind of pull on 
prayer, pull on just peaceful thoughts, pull on those positive parts of my life. And then in terms of staying present, really just trying to take in the moment. What I found, so I I have two kids. One's, uh, I have a 15-year-old daughter and a 13-year-old son. And what I found is the time has gone so fast and that I don't stop and appreciate it. Then it's all going to be like some passing movie that I wasn't a part of. And so I try to take the time to really absorb what's around me, understanding my daughter's going to be in college before I blink my eyes again. <laughs> and I need to just appreciate her and my son because he's right behind her and still make time for family. Otherwise, why am I working so hard? Yeah. So I, I try to keep all of that in perspective. Um, and that's kind of what keeps me moving and keeps me focused on all the good things yeah I definitely that resonates with me I have two teens as well one in college so I get it um it flies by very fast so um great 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 way to um kids will do that to you they'll remind you that time is (laughs) waits for no one So we have covered so much ground like I knew we would um, because chiefs show up. And so I'm just so grateful that you were here on the show today um, and that you were sharing all your gems and words of wisdom and that you are a woman leading the future and that you are mentoring and sponsoring and growing future leaders along the way. So I thank you so much for being on the show. And thank you to all the listeners. This has been I've Been Thinking, Kim's Coaching, and I'll catch you next time. Peace out. To schedule a session with Kim, visit www.kimregis.com where you can learn more about her. You can also book a free life coaching consultation. Find the link to her book, Meeting Just Fine, A Life-Changing Encounter, available on Amazon.com. View her TED-style talk and download useful resources. Tune in next week for more I've Been Thinking, Kim's Coaching.